Welcome to Decoding Superhuman. This show is a deep dive into obsessions with health, performance, and how to elevate the human experience. I explore the latest tools, science, and technology with experts in various fields of human optimization. This is your host, Boomer Anderson. Enjoy the journey. Superhumans. Well, that's a new one. Over the past couple of years, I've spent a lot of time exploring various areas of performance. We've gone down really wormholes on anything from the ketogenic diet to fasting to everything in between. And those are just the nutritional aspects. We've talked about sleep, chronobiology, and so many others. But one area that absolutely fascinates me is the idea of ancient wisdom and applying it to modern healing practices or modern performance. So my guest today is Dr. Ashley Beckman, and she is a doctor of Chinese medicine and acupuncture and a board-certified acupuncturist and herbalist based in Los Angeles. Dr. Beckman and I came to know each other through a genetics course, but we've become great friends. Every time I go to California or have had the pleasure of going to California, we meet up in random places like Erewhon Market where I get overcharged for an absolutely delicious smoothie. But Dr. Ashley received her doctorate and graduate degree from Yaosan University of Traditional Chinese Medicine and holds a degree in international business and marketing from the University of Texas. Yes, we get into that on the podcast. But what else do we get into? Because Dr. Beckman is absolutely fascinating to talk to. We, of course, go down the idea of energy medicine and looking at dantians and these things. And if you're unfamiliar with those concepts, we explain them in detail. We look at meridians, but then we transition over into epigenetics and genetics and the implications for how Dr. Beckman works with patients on a day-to-day basis. We then get into environmental toxicities and Dr. Ashley, one of the reasons why I wanted to have her on the show was her expertise on these environmental toxicities. She has an interesting personal story to share as well. The show notes for this one are at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Dr. Ashley. That's D-R-A-S-H-L-E-Y. Enjoy my conversation with Dr. Ashley Beckman. Dr. Ashley, long time. <laughs> it's good to see you again. Yeah, last time we were hanging out at Erewhon Market in Santa Monica, and you were enticing me with all these delicious goodies, <laughs> uh, which Erewhon is just such a tempting place to do those things, right? Right, definitely. And so while in Santa Monica, we were having this fascinating conversation, and I kind of wish I just had my podcast gear there. Uh, but since I didn't, uh, you were so kind and generous to come back on the podcast so we can basically record that conversation. <laughs> and we were talking about ancient practices or ancient wisdom going into modern practice. And one of the things I find fascinating about your background is your education and some of that ancient wisdom. Can we talk a little bit about your background specifically as it relates to I'm going to call it energy medicines, but you tell me what the proper term is. Sure. Um, Yeah. So I basically was kind of always interested even in high school in nutrition. And I became familiar with someone named Dr. Schultz, who was a naturopathic doctor who focused a lot on toxins and his work was based on Dr. Christopher and herbalist. Mm -hmm. So as I got into that, I started learning a bit about um, detoxes and just herbs, became fascinated with that. So um, I went to college, ended up getting an um, undergrad degree in business because I always knew I would have some. But so what I did was um, I became, after college, I became very interested in toxins. I read this book called Drop Dead Gorgeous that talked about toxins in skincare and beauty. Mm. So Are we talking I, here like skincare beauty, meaning all of the stuff that people put on their face? I was just yes. in Korea, so like that's oh, yeah. skincare beauty all over the place. <laughs> yes. So it's, um, yeah, mostly all personal care products is what mm. this book was talking about. So I had no idea, but it basically gave me this sort of, you know, opened up my eyes to these toxins and things that we expose ourselves to all the time. 
And um, that sort of segued into learning more about some different types of things that we could use. And that led to energetic medicine. So Mm -hmm. I started to learn about homeopathy and Mm. I, um, it just was fascinating to me. It was a really kind of ancient, not ancient, but an older practice. And that's kind of how a lot of our medicine started. And uh, so I ended up finding a teacher who then I ended up studying with for about five years. So let's talk about, I have to address okay. the, the H word, right? Because yes. <laughs> um, look, there's, there's books where uh, people do call out homeopathy, um, bad science being one of them. Right. How should we think about that in the context of the broader whole, right? Because I think you've already mentioned that it's ancient practices and there's a lot of things that are based on it, but based on what I read of modern science, homeopathy gets a lot of criticism. It definitely does. Um, My whole theory is basically also though that with a lot of my clients and patients, it works. So to me, it's a very safe, effective modality to try first and it works for certain things really well. You know, there's a lot of different ways that people use it but I use it more kind of like on the first aid kit basis. So like for fevers, sprains, um, headaches, things like that. Mm -hmm. It can be used constitutionally for larger issues, but I use it more like that because for me, you try it. And then if it doesn't work, you can move on to other things that, um, you know, let's just say that science deems more acceptable, either like some herbs or, you know, even if they have over-the-counter medications as well. Mm-hmm. But for example, for a fever for my daughter, I always start with homeopathic remedy. If that okay. doesn't work, then I go to, you know, maybe essential oils and herbs. And then if that doesn't work, I have a backup of, you know, a cleaner version of an over-the-counter medication <laughs> for, kids, for kids. Yeah. Understood. Understood. So uh, the way I should think about homeopathy is more along the lines of this is th- the barrier to entry is relatively low. And the downside's pretty low. And Mm -hmm. so therefore, I mean, ultimately we want something that works and you found that it works really well in certain scenarios. Is that right? Definitely. Okay. So So, I I was interrupting your whole background story (laughs) and I want to go in because I know we probably are going to call this episode ancient wisdom, modern practices. And so let's go (laughs) a little bit further into that ancient wisdom. Um, Where does the acupuncture come into play? So my teacher, my homeopathic teacher, who was a classical homeopath, was also an acupuncturist. And he basically just said, you know, you need to go to school, you need to learn the science, you need to learn something that people really find more acceptable. And even though people, um, some people are new to Chinese medicine, it is a a form of medicine that's been around for thousands of years. And so it's, um, you know, even though it might not be as well known in the States, it's gaining a lot of popularity because... Mm -hmm. It's, you know, tested through time. Basically, it's an entire form of medicine um, in, you know, more in the Eastern world. They have been sort of infiltrated with Western medicine now, too, and use both. Uh, But at the same time, I find that those theories just really are very helpful. And I learned so much about Chinese theory and applied it to uh, the patients that I have. And it's just really fascinating to me because they take into play things that we used to be part of even our medicine, like they called it more eclectic medicine years ago, mm-hmm. even in the States when it was about herbs and eating with the seasons and, you know, just these sort of home remedies that kind of have gone away, but right now they're sort of resurfacing. Mm-hmm. And for those listening, I know that there's some people at Cal Poly, I think, that are putting um, Western scientific experiments together uh, mm-hmm. in terms of ones that would be accepted or have like generally accepted principles, because, uh, a lot of the studies out of China have like ends of two and eight and those kind of things from what I understand. And right. so they're at Cal Poly making these little bit more modern studies to prove that this stuff works because it has been around for thousands of years. And right. And there is some flaw with the way a lot of the acupuncture studies are done okay. because what they do, and it's called sham acupuncture. Mm-hmm. So they basically will, instead of actually inserting a needle, they will put pressure, which to us is still activating the same point. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And they might put something either on a point that we use or along a channel, which a channel is kind of, we call them meridians. It's the way energy flows in the body. So, so to us as acupuncturists, if you're still activating something along the same channel or even along the same, uh, on a point, you're going to get a reaction that would be similar to what a needle would do. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of flaws with actually trying to use studies with acupuncture. So that's where there's been a lot of issues, I guess, too, with trying to prove acupuncture works or doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Can we just uh, define some terms? Because I'm going to ask a lot of questions about energy medicine because I'm fascinated by it. Sure. Uh, but defining terms here, things like meridians, can, can mm-hmm. we walk through what are meridians and then... Sure maybe something about energy centers, because I'm just trying to get all of my facts straight here. Sure. So in Chinese medicine, um, we have basically these patterns of energy flow on the body, and they're called meridians. So they, I think of them as a highway system on the body. Mm-hmm. And they often can correlate as well the way, let's say, a nerve flows down the body. So if that makes, you know, that helps people understand a bit. Like for someone who's ever had sciatic pain, Mm-hmm. They know that there's a sciatic nerve that kind of the way it flows and it goes all the way down to, you know, the little toe. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the way a meridian would flow. Mm-hmm. But we have different ones that are associated with an organ name. So mm-hmm. like we have a liver meridian and some of these start in the actual organ where they are or they just pass through the organ. But it's not as easy to kind of explain. But you can always, there's always like a, there's great little pictures, you know, that have these energy pathways. Mm-hmm. And if you have, if you have pictures that we can share with people, we oh, can sure. link to them in the show notes. That's for sure. And in the show notes for this one, just so everybody knows, are decodingsuperhuman.com slash Dr. Ashley. Uh, that's DR instead of the full word doctor, by the way. Now let's come back to this. Um, so meridians thinking of them as energy centers, energy, the way energy flows through the body. Mm-hmm. What, how do I look at meridians versus something like chakras? Are they same, sure. same, or are they different? Um, so it's a similar concept yet. It's a different theory in Chinese mm-hmm. medicine. So we also have something where a little bit more similar where there's, they call them dantians, where there's yeah. like um, something. I, I'm, in- I'm going to get to the dantians, okay. but, oh, okay. but no, 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 go, 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 go down your path because dantians are okay. something that I'm fascinated yeah. by too. So we basically, you know, similar to where like there's, um, you know, a chakra, a third eye chakra, and then a heart chakra, and then a root chakra. Those would be correlated sort of to the Dantians, but they have more chakras in that chakra system where we kind of have the three Dantians or the three energy centers. Okay. So that would be the most similar correlation between those two. But again, it's sort of just, um, so another term that we use is chi, which would be the energy. And so basically kind of what I like to describe is we use needles to kind of direct the energy of the body mm-hmm. to help resolve the issue. Mm-hmm. So I think of needles as little, almost like a little lightning rod to direct the energy of your body to a specific either area or organ mm-hmm. where there's an imbalance. Mm-hmm. So uh, just real quick, and because I'm only going to ask this because the names escape me, but the three Dantians, what are the names? Um, well, you have, uh, well, so, well, we just do, I mean, we talk about okay. like the upper, middle and lower. Okay. And then, so one of my favorite things though, is it's a sort of a theory or concept in Chinese medicine where we have, um, it's called Shen. And so that's yeah. your heart and your mind together. Mm-hmm. And so this to me is like one of the most fascinating parts of our medicine, because, you know, the way they talk about how Chinese characters have a lot of meaning in the word and they, the picture describes different things. So they have these different theories on things and it makes total sense when you combine these, you know, two concepts together, but in Western medicine, we don't really have that. Mm-hmm. So our Shen is this something that's kind of like our mental and spiritual health, but combined with your heart and your emotions. Mm-hmm. So again, that's something that we look at a lot is if someone's Shen is balanced or, disturbed or off and because of the way we are sort of like with modern life and living 
the Shen gets disturbed quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So we've, you know, we, a lot of time a Shen treatment is kind of like one of these mentally balancing treatments, but again, it's, it's just more of, it's not just the mind and it's not just emotion. It's what they are together and that effect it has on the body. And this is something that we have neglected as a Western society for far too long. Right. Right. Yes. And it's, I'm glad that it's finally starting to get some attention. It needs to get a lot more attention. Um, yeah, and, I, and I'm guilty of this as well, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the thing, one thing that's sort of fascinating to me or very fascinating right now in sort of the functional medicine world is that theory, you know, that we have basically these three centers and it's the brain, the heart and the gut, and they're all connected. And <laughs> to me, that's the same thing of this, the Dantian. Yeah. yeah. And it's, um, they're finally it's coming more full circle to where it, you see it in Chinese medicine, you see it in Ayurvedic medicine, and now you're finally seeing it in our, I mean, functional medicine world, but it's in science. It's rooted in science. They see that tissue from the brain mm-hmm. in the heart and in the gut. So let's, uh, let's delve a little bit into the term you use was shin, right? Do I have yes. that right? And so yeah. let's talk a little bit about shin and sort of how you assess this because um, and you can take me for an example or just mm-hmm. any sort of patient that would walk into your door. How are you looking at shin in an individual? Uh, how do you assess that? Is it cause I've done some acupuncture and there's a lot mm-hmm. looking at my tongue, my pulse. Right. How do you yes. look at it? So tongue and pulse are very common for, um, to just our diagnostic tools that we use on most patients Mm -hmm. and they're not necessarily as much correlated with the Shen, but they would be correlated just with when we're trying to figure out what points to use and what's going on. Mm -hmm. So we, um, we basically use our eyes mostly and just kind of like how the person is and appears overall Mm -hmm. for the Shen. It's kind of like someone's energy or what's happening when, you know, like when you walk in the door, or when the patient walks in the door, like everything you see about them, are they disheveled? Do they look you in the eye? Are they, um, you know, put together? Are they rushed and hurried and then anxious because they were in traffic? And, you know, all of these things that can disturb you and your energy or you're just, you're And and you're in LA. So I'm imagining everybody is coming in rushed, disheveled because they're in LA traffic, which... Definitely. May, maybe Mumbai as sort of my <laughs> least favorite place to stay in traffic. But anyways, yeah. uh, so, okay. So you've assessed the person. Now, let, can I just double click on the tongue? Because yes. uh, my limited experience with this, mm-hmm. the tongue, I, I understand it sells so much, but like, what do you, because I look at my tongue in the mirror and I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's quasi Gene Simmons-esque. What's going, what's going on here? Um, like, what are you looking for? Are there bumps or shapes, distortions? What kind of things do you see? Sure. So, uh, one thing that I'm, um, I spend a lot of time with my patients on is talking about kind of sugar and the different foods that they eat Mm -hmm. that create, that create this thing. And it's in Chinese medicine that we call dampness. So it's like, it could be some joint pain. Um, it can be craving sugar. It can be, you know, candida infection, fungal infection, things Mm -hmm. like that. But so on the tongue that shows up as like a pretty thick white or yellow coat. Mm -hmm. So what we do is, um, I generally take a look at the tongue to see the color, the shape, kind of like if it's pale, if it's kind of like on the darker dusky side, which is a Mm -hmm. term we use. Um, if there's little ridges on the side that look like teeth marks, yeah. um, if there are cracks, things like that. And we, we're looking kind of for these different theories of like heat and cold, dampness, dryness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we look to see too, like where these are happening. There's a map of the tongue that talks about different organs mm-hmm. and the same. It also relates to those three different areas. So like upper, middle, lower, mm-hmm. which you can correlate to the body. Mm-hmm. So we we find a lot out from the tongue, but then I always have to ask, you know, if they had coffee that morning, if they had a turmeric latte, which will make their tongue super yellow. Especially Um, in LA, home of the golden latte. Love it. Exactly. So there's all these things that where, you know, you have to make sure because most people have had a cup of coffee before they come in. So Mm -hmm. then their tongue is falsely yellow. Yeah. But uh, same with the turmeric latte, Mm -hmm. but there are certain things that, um, 
people say, you know, they scrape their tongue. They're like, oh, you know, I scrape it every day. But these things don't really go away. The yeah. diagnostic tools there um, anyway. Okay. And then the pulse. Um, the are pulse. you reading for just distortions of heart? Well, obviously, you're looking for a pulse, right? <laughs> like, yes. hopefully it's yeah. there. Um, <laughs> but what what are you sensing with the pulse? Yeah. So the pulse is actually almost its own, a science in itself. There are people that spend their whole almost career, you know, mastering the pulse because it's so, um, it's, it can, the nuances are so subtle, mm -hmm. but there are things that we can see, like if someone's pulse is fast, there might be heat, or if it's slow, um, there's a deficiency, but we're also feeling the nature of the pulse. So there's different organs associated with different placement of where your finger is on the pulse that we feel. Mm -hmm. We're not counting beats. Um, you know, it's not the traditional way. We're like really feeling for how the pulse is and um, all these different aspects to it. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's, it's its own art in itself. And so some people just really dive deep into the pulse as a diagnostic tool. Yeah. Um, I love the tongue personally, just because I think it's... Probably because I love nutrition and the nutritional aspect is what you see a lot with the tongue as well, okay. the quality of what's happening. So um, the pulse is really fascinating as well and it can tell a lot of things, but we also, you know, we look at the whole picture of everything even. So on, on the pulse, because or actually uh, I want to just talk a little bit about something that's come up once or twice in this conversation, okay. the concept of hot and cold. Or yeah. heat, um, yeah. because, like I said, I have limited experience with acupuncture, but mm -hmm. sometimes this term heat comes up, and uh, in previous acupuncturists that I've worked with back when I lived in Singapore, um, there was recommendations around avoiding certain types of foods, right? right? Uh, things, and sometimes it was very hard for me to grasp that or take that recommendation seriously because it was like avoid coffee, uh, which, okay, the, right. which is not like, you don't tell a sleep deprived banker to avoid coffee, right? Like that's <laughs> right. just a stupid idea. Um, so what are we talking about? What are we referring to in hot and cold? So here's the thing with Dr. Ashley and I, when we have the chance to get together, it's usually at a seminar, a conference, or perhaps at a supermarket in the middle of Santa Monica. And when we get together, it's usually a rush. But when I'm in a rush and still need a workout, here you go. How about that for a segue? I like to use a bike called the Carol. In eight minutes and 40 seconds, I'm able to get a kick-ass workout where my legs just feel like jelly. And why is that? Well, because it achieves rapid glycogen depletion through an AI-powered algorithm that allows you to really get personalized resistance in very little time. You get two 20-second sprints. That's it. And you're exhausted. So if you want to try this out, in fact, you should just go and get yours. You can use the code decoding150 at carolfitai.com. It's been a really, really hot device these days. In fact, it's hard to get. But go over to carolfitai, plug in the code decoding150, and you'll get a nice little discount. Back to my discussion with Dr. Ashley Beckman. Sure. So one thing I love about Chinese medicine that changed everything kind of that I thought about nutrition, because I had studied all this sort of holistic nutrition that was, you know, juices, salads, raw food, like all the different things that were popular about 20 years ago and still a bit popular now, mm -hmm. it, um, that you have to look at somebody's constitution in Chinese medicine. So that, for example, would be someone like, for example, someone who's like skinny, cold, um, and is always eating salads and maybe low thyroid issues, things like that, they're eating the complete wrong food for them. Like they need to be eating warm foods that nourish and support them. And so bring up that cold temperature in their body up to something that's more normal. So just real quick on constitution, yeah. what we're talking about is yeah. just sort of how a person holds themselves, how they appear to you in person. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. And even, um, it also takes into account some of their emotions. So some yeah. people, you know, we look at everything in these concepts of, um, 
there's elements. So like fire, earth, water, wood, and you basically also there's organs associated with that. And then there's emotions that are associated with those organs. Mm -hmm. So some people, you know, you might, you've heard of a person who might be like a hot fiery type person. Generally they might be, you know, skinny, like almost with red face or red skin tones, high metabolism, things like that. They should not be eating a whole lot of just really hot, spicy foods, things mm-hmm. like that. It just exacerbates something that they that they already came in with. Mm-hmm. So our whole point is to bring balance, and by doing that, you can utilize foods and herbs that would help bring their body back to kind of a homeostasis. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that is totally different concept than what we have in Western nutrition or just even Western medicine, where you know, it's just, oh, you have this, this is your, this is the medicine you take, or Mm -hmm. everybody should eat kale. Everybody should start their morning with, you know, a smoothie. Mm -hmm. So all of these things don't take into account anyone's constitution or that everyone is a unique individual. Mm -hmm. So that's where I love kind of, actually, this is where I bridge the gap between the two for me, is that I love these constitutional theories and really customizing everyone's nutrition and then even adding that with all the functional medicine labs and practices and even the genetics, like how we met, mm-hmm. and basically combining those two together to create the most customized program for them. And that is really just right for their exact body. Mm-hmm. Before we go, because I, I, see, yeah. I see what we're trying to do here uh, on the bridge. And before we bridge the River Kwai, so to speak, right. um, let's, let's talk. I want to talk a little bit about... Um, energy centers and how to rebalance those. If, if I'm using the right terminology here, um, because like, this is just an area of my life that I'm very fascinated by. How do you, do you balance Dantians? Do you like, how do you, uh, I want to use the word manipulate, but, um, how do you move energy such that our body is within this balance? Mm -hmm. If that's what we're sort of looking to achieve. So, well, you can look to see if you feel like there's a blockage, like let's say, for example, um, women who have fibroids, things like that, that is generally would be a blockage in the lower Dantian mm-hmm. or women who have just issues, you know, female fertility issues, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we have either herbs that you take that bring energy or like even bring blood flow to that area and mm-hmm. that unlock, um, we call it just, uh, either blockage or stagnation. Mm-hmm. So we use herbs, we use acupuncture. Acupuncture is amazing to direct energy to one of the centers that might be blocked. Yeah. And then another way that is used a lot is um, either Tai Chi or a medical Qigong. Mm-hmm. So those, again, like bring focus and energy when you need to fill something up or if you need to di- you know, like diffuse the stuck energy, mm-hmm. there's different ways that you would do that. So um, we can use different issues that somebody might be dealing with, even if it's like anxiety. Some people feel anxiety in their chest and yeah. some people feel it in their more like in their abdominal area. So you would, I, I give my patients like a targeted meditation or just a visualization when mm-hmm. I give them acupuncture that yeah. gives them a color and then a way the energy flows using those channels and meridians that mm-hmm. we spoke about. Yeah. So I tell them what kind of color to visualize and then where it should flow through the body mm-hmm. and then where it should, which, where it should go out. So like the end point of the needle, because a lot of the way, um, at least I practice and a lot of people do is that you might put a needle near the top of a channel you're working with and then near the end. So to like bring, draw the energy in and then you pull it out through the body. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, hypothetically, let's say you had this right. person in front of you that has obvious um, uh, anxiety predominantly in the chest. Um, I guess probably that's the middle Dantian, right? Uh, yes, it's, that, yeah, it's, yeah, it's part of it. It's, or, it's in the middle, but yeah. Middle, so middle heart chakra, what, whatever term we want to use right. here. What are herbs that we can use to, to kind of unblock that energy, so to speak? Well, so one of my favorite herbs um, for kind of like, and it's more for this is like the physical heart, but mm-hmm. a lot of times when we're treating the physical, we're treating the emotional. Yep. And the same when we're treating the emotional, we're treating the physical. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite herbs is, um, it's actually hawthorn berry. Okay. So 
can drink it as a tea. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of other effects as well, but it's an, it has an affinity for the heart. Okay. And the other one that's sort of, it kind of depends again on, you know, why they have this anxiety. Mm -hmm. So one that we have a point that's a really great one called Ren 17 that you put a needle in and it just opens up that stagnation. Uh -huh. um, so I love doing that if somebody was getting, coming for acupuncture, mm -hmm. but then, you know, there's lots of different things to on the uh, more Western side for anxiety that we could implement. But at the same time, you know, our whole point is um, to look at the herbs that basically calm the Shen because the heart is part of the Shen. Mm -hmm. So, and that, that's that concept that we talked about because anxiety, but that it's like in that heart area. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely a mind and heart together creating an issue. So yeah. there's, we have a whole classification of herbs that are just calm Shen herbs. Okay. So, um, and some of the, they have different properties, but um, some of the, go, even goji berries are one that are great. Chinese <clears throat> dates are great. Um, mm. And you basically just, you know, you can either make a tea or you could have a, a specific formula made for you that's for calming that anxiety that you have. Yeah. So Chinese dates, um, for those listening that are keto are probably saying no. that. Like... And, and then the, and the, so one thing that totally blew me away when I was um, studying all of this was that, um, cause we use goji berries all the time mm -hmm. and goji berries I found out were nightshades. And I was like, fortified because <laughs> for everyone that has to do, you know, like a very anti-inflammatory diet and they just take out the whole group as a whole, you know, it's, it's like, we know all those amazing benefits of the herb as, as it is an herb. But at the same time, when I was in, when I was in Chinese medicine school, um, you know, I was gluten-free and I was kind of like avoiding certain things and they would be in formulas and the Chinese way is not as accepting they're just like oh but it's good for you you know yeah. it's like it's actually not good for me currently yeah so um i did a lot of you know modifying and things like that um but at the same point the whole goal is you know to not have to be so restrictive with all those things if you could really heal things up properly just mm -hmm. take some time so let's go back to bridging the river kwai um so <laughs> Uh, which is a movie I've never watched, by the way. I, I just like the term. And so we're... I've been yeah, there. <laughs> is it Vietnam? Thailand. Okay. Well, I've definitely been there. Uh, I just haven't actually walked. <laughs> like, I, I've, uh, I've definitely... And it's embarrassing because I used to advise both of those governments. So if they're listening to this, they're yeah. going to get a good laugh. Anyways, uh, coming back to the bridging that uh, yes. river... Uh, you have individual protocols based on all of this, this energy and balancing of Shen, right? Yes. Um, and then walk me through, and I, I think I could see the path, but how do mm -hmm. we get into the genetic side of things and how do, how do they complement each other? Sure. So um, I think that's one thing that is different and unique is most people don't combine them. Yeah. Um, to me, that's what's really fascinating is I just love these concepts of Chinese medicine and how we treat the emotions and the physical care, like the physical issues that are either, you know, correlate with the emotions or that seemingly don't. Mm -hmm. um, but so I love combining that wisdom with just this kind of brand new cutting edge technology that we have that where we can look at someone's whole kind of genetic makeup, see what people might have some probable issues that could come down the line. And then, um, and then I'm loving all of these brand new kind of functional medicine tests that really see what's happening underneath, you know, to see what get, what's going on with the gut bacteria, mm -hmm. if there's candida and fungal overgrowth, exposure to mold, all the different environmental toxins, because a lot of times patients get stuck. They don't know why they're not getting better. They've tried all these different things. Yeah. You know, for example, they're drinking a ton of like celery juice because they read it on medical medium and, you know, are following these protocols and it has nothing to do with their specific body. Yeah. And that's what drives me crazy mm -hmm. is basically people, you know, they'll read something and take that whole theory and apply it to themselves. And it might not be the best thing for them at all. And often it's not. Yeah. You've just described my whole problem with <laughs> mass media and, oh man, we're just going to open up a whole train of emotions. Maybe my, my heart will open <laughs> it's gonna up. It's going to explode. Yeah, yeah. I get very heated talking about it because... 
I can't tell you how many patients come in and are telling me they're doing X, Y, Z, and I can look at them even without testing and say that's probably horrible for your body. Yeah, it's like the, and you probably, I'm hoping you don't, maybe you do it, uh, but like the, the, <laughs> the face palm, it's like you can see the yeah. face palm just when they describe something to you and you're like, mm, that's not for everybody, right? And it's actually the newest thing. I mean, it's been medical medium. Now it's everyone going vegan. Yeah. Um, the, that is like a huge discussion that I talk with my patients all the time because it's not that simple. I've had to put so many patients, you know, they, I was like, go try it if you want, but you know, I think you're going to need some help later. Yep. And, um, it, I was a vegan 20 years ago because I saw a PETA pamphlet, totally freaked out and, you know, thought I was doing the best thing and mm. it was the worst thing for my health. And it took me a long time to rebuild after that. I'm glad you said that. I kind of did the opposite of PETA and did competition barbecue. So I'm very sorry for all the, um, that was my growing up. So it was almost the opposite in some way. But you were right in the South and I was in California. Yeah, that's true. I'm not sure too many, there are competitions in California, but. Yeah, it's, it's a, I mean, it's not quite the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it's, um, again, it's these things, patients, you know, will read something or watch a documentary that is hundred percent slated toward their idea, you know, of what should be. And actually to me, even though factory, farm, factory farming is a major issue that has nothing to do with the health of, you know, what someone should be eating mm-hmm. in that same regard. Like, you know what I mean? Everyone should be eating grass fed meat mm-hmm. and that's a totally different issue than, what all the movies are talking about. Is what Abs- I say. Absolutely. Um, so, so um, but I, again, I love to bridge these, like the, the new amazing tests that honestly we didn't have five years ago. Mm-hmm. So like even within the, how long I've been practicing, things keep changing and evolving and we have just tools that we didn't even have just, you know, it just keeps evolving. Mm-hmm. And genetics is certainly one of those tools, right? It's been only a decade or almost two decades now since the first genome was sequenced. Um, now, and I, if I got those dates wrong, please don't curse <laughs> me on the social medias. But um, what are some of the other tests? So you work in genetics and that allows mm-hmm. a degree of specificity. It's a blueprint. What are some right. of the other functional tests that you're using? Um, one of my favorites is the organic acid test. Oh. I just love that one. Yeah. Um, I use it if, you know, if someone can only do one test, that's the one I do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so amazing. Uh, I, I, I mean, you, I think you use it right or know of it well. Yeah. So it's basically, um, you know, can, you can test like bacteria and fungus and, um, and some neurotransmitters and even check just what's going on with the gut and different things. And so I, always hands down. That's the first place I start. And then, um, my second favorite test is one that tests for environmental toxins. Again, these are just super easy urine tests that the patient does at home. So that takes that barrier out of someone that's afraid to get a blood test and things like that. And they don't even show up on blood tests. So So on the environmental toxin side, um, and thank Mm -hmm. you for providing that segue because I wanted to go there with you. Um, Mm Which, is this a Genova test or is it somebody else? I use Great Plains Lab. Okay, got it. And hence the organic acids test as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, so Great Plains Labs, you're getting your urine tested. What are you seeing in terms of environmental toxins? What are you uh, testing for there specifically? Um, yes, I mean, they test, I think they test a handful of things, but again, it's really great to see kind of the top environmental pollutants, like, like I live in L.A., so they show a lot of the things that are very high would be the things that are more like from in the air, from the rocket fuel mm-hmm. and um, things that, 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 that we're exposed to from gasoline. Mm-hmm. So like I have a long commute um, a few days a week. And so my levels from all the gasoline were extremely high. Mm-hmm. And the same, they said also the ones just from, because we're, I mean, I'm near LAX sort of, that there's just all of that pollution mm-hmm. um, that's just inherently in our groundwater and in the air. And it's, um, they also said just the West Coast is generally actually pretty high in a lot of different environmental toxins. So I can't move to Portland and be saved from all of this. I mean, I'm sure it's better than LA. Yeah. But um, yeah, they said it, they actually see a lot of this 
it's soaked into the groundwater just on the whole West Coast. And I would also assume that that's probably things that come in through the ocean as well, and just the way the wind patterns are from, uh, like from China and Japan and things like that too. Mm-hmm. So, so we get a lot of that. So you have all these toxins, and I mean, it seems like in this day and age, toxins are kind of ubiquitous, right? Like yes, they're yeah. absolutely everywhere, and. It's very hard to tell somebody in L.A. who may be a famous movie actor or whatever it is to just get the hell out of L.A. Um, And that may be the best solution. So what can you actually do? You haven't uprooted yourself out of L.A. You've kind of figured it out. What's the magic sauce? Uh, Well, so, I mean, what started me on this whole journey was the toxins in skincare. Yeah. So basically every day you have a choice of what you put on your body and in your body. Mm -hmm. You can't the same amount of like, you know, when you're driving and the things like that in the groundwater and whatnot, minus the choices you make as well. Like if you have air filters and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, you know, I tell everyone, look at the, your daily habits, what you're doing, like the coffee you're drinking. Um, you know, there's certain coffees that are tested for mycotoxins and toxicities and things like that. So mm-hmm. I recommend Purity and Bulletproof. I'm sure there's other brands as well, but those are the two that I tell my patients to get, mm-hmm. um, make sure if you are in LA, you do have an air purifier. Um, but then there's a handful of skincare products and personal care products that I use. And, um, I've created a list, which I can share with you. Oh, please do. Shop. Especially if you have yeah. anything for, for men, cause I need to go shopping. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so, um, that's my biggest thing. Um, because yeah, I'm, I'm not living, I'm not going to leave LA. I, uh-huh. I mean, as far as I know, I live um, close to the ocean, which it seems like it's best, but at the same time, I'm definitely exposed to a lot more toxins just by living in a large city mm-hmm. and, you know, getting in my car and driving quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's that aspect, but one thing that was very interesting to me, so that I'll share with you is that I wasn't even going to do this environmental toxin testing because I've, you know, I've not touched plastic, like honestly for years, I won't buy a plastic water bottle. Um, I like for 20 years, once I read that book, I changed everything. Like I was so crazy that I even created my own skincare line because I didn't think anything was clean enough. (laughs) So, and it was all stored in glass because I didn't want plastic touching anything. Mm -hmm. So, um, when I did the test though, they asked me, they said, what are you doing? This is one of the highest toxin levels we've ever seen. Wow. Like 14 or 15 of my markers were 75% to 95%. Mm-hmm. But the part that was interesting to me was this came back to my genetics. Mm-hmm. So I, in the way that my genes are, I just don't process toxins well at all. Mm-hmm. So all the cleanses I'd been doing for 20 years and all of those things, I wasn't doing them the right way for my specific body. Okay. So now I'm on a totally different protocol to pull them out in a different way. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, to me, that was crazy because I literally probably want to live so cleanly and they're just still recirculating in my system. So we can, let's talk a little bit about the specificity here. So you've, you've done, you've looked at your several different steps for detoxification and you're looking at, mm-hmm. um, more than just phase one and phase two, uh, right. And you're seeing that you don't process environmental toxins very well. Um, at that point, there's a temptation for a lot of people to just give up and oh, right. move to the northern parts of Norway, for instance, or something <laughs> like that. What can you do? Because are you just like injecting yourself with glutathione, which may not be the best thing? Or what, right. what can you what can you do? Well, so I had never taken glutathione. Yeah. Um, I had tried glutathione IVs yeah. and they made me really sick right away. Well, but, that, but that was a, that should have been a clue. Yeah. So um, I just, anyway, now I utilize glutathione in a different way. Like I use liposomals. I still get the IVs, but I just use it at a lower dosage so mm-hmm. that I don't get a headache instantly from all the toxins it's pulling out. Um, and then now also though, the way I detox is I have more of a, a totally different system that primes all the detox pathways first mm-hmm. and works on all the different, basically just the different organs to make sure that those have been cleaned out more effectively before mm-hmm. I start 
trying to pull things out with different products that I use. Mm -hmm. And I use totally different things now. Okay. So are you, the science is, the science is different now. Yeah. I mean, more information. That's the caveat. I always give people on this podcast. It's like our viewpoints today may change tomorrow because the science is evolving so, so fast. Um, but okay. Now how, when you're working with clients, these environmental toxins, they all come back in some sort of energy reflection, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing. How does that look like somebody who's very, has a high toxic burden? Um, Mm -hmm. and look, I've spent more than probably most people in their lives on airplanes. And so I know that I know I have certain toxicity levels that I'm working to bring down, but how does that, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I'm glowing and not, (laughs) not, not from an energetic sense. Um, Not in a good way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, how do you look at these toxins and how do they manifest themselves in terms of energy? Um, Well, I guess what I would say is a lot of times for people, this is, this happens, you know, they're kind of silent. You might not know that these are there. That's the whole thing. You know what I mean? But you might just have this feeling that you never have enough energy or different sort of autoimmune things are cropping up like, you know, some, Hashimoto's or just random joint pain that really is never resolved or things like that, or a lot of gut health issues Mm -hmm. that might be some of the source problem. But because a lot of times the environmental toxins or heavy metals and things can really mess with these very sensitive endocrine organs, Mm -hmm. like the thyroid and things like that. So it might show up as thyroid issues. um, But my whole point is to really figure out the root cause of Mm -hmm why you're having the thyroid issues or why you're having the autoimmune issues. Mm-hmm. It's never usually just oh, your thyroid, thyroid isn't working well. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, take it a few steps back and see, we, you know, try to rule out these things. If it's bacteria, retroviruses, um, mold exposure, mm-hmm. whatever it might be, radiation is huge too. Yeah. Um, and so checking these things out. And then now I have different products. I use a product line called CellCore, which I really like that helps pull out um, some of these toxins and glyphosate and things like that, that we just weren't able to do before in the same manner. So I... Can I go down the glyphosate wormhole real quick? Uh, Because... And that's ubiquitous. Yeah, it it is. It's getting better here in the EU. Everybody should move to Europe, actually. You know, stay stay where you are, because if you move to Europe, I'm sure (laughs) Roundup will come as well. Um, What is the big deal? And just because I haven't covered this on the podcast before, glyphosate, why should should people be concerned? Um, Okay, so I, shoot, I can't remember the name of this movie. It was years ago that I saw it, and it was all about glyphosate. Yeah. This was you know, 10 or 15 years ago. And basically what it was though, is, um, the, um, you know, the roundup, the insecticide basically has something that it will insert its, um, insecticide into the DNA of the crop mm-hmm. that, it, that it's used. So like a GMO, their Monsanto GMO corn, let's yeah. say it basically has this insecticide in inserted in the DNA of the plant. Mm-hmm. So then when you're in, when you consume that plant, the insecticide um, does what it, you know, it's supposed to do. So it basically creates all of this digestive issues. Um, I mean, that's like maybe the mildest way to put it. Mm-hmm. And its job is to, you know, not allow any of the insecticides to, or any of the insects to eat this product. Mm-hmm. So if you know, in general, and insecticides have like a neurotoxin component, um, they're obviously, they're just very problematic for the body. And so then we're, when we're ingesting them, which you're going to do anytime you go to a Mexican restaurant and you eat corn, you know, corn chips, those yeah. are not going to be organic corn chips. So the thing is, is really now it's not, you know, you, you basically need to obviously try and do your best when you're purchasing things. But when you're outside at a restaurant, chances are you're going to be eating quite a bit of food that has, you know, insecticides that are sprayed and they're going to be probably roundup, you know, of that nature. So the main thing right now that I tell my patients and clients is it's, you know, try your best to avoid it, but it's, it's basically impossible. You can make, you can make your choices 
um, the best you have when you're at home. But when you're out and people eat out so much now, it's yeah. not very common that you're eating at home 80 to 90%. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, probably not even 40 to 50%. Yeah. So basically there's some products, they have a couple products in the cell core line that are specific to at least help you deal with that and degrade the toxin and excrete it through the normal pathways. Mm-hmm. So it, like just boosting your detoxification system in general yeah. is a good and, idea. And, it, and yes. And then this is taking a specific binder yeah. to pull, pull that out. And mm-hmm. it's basically... Um, in the like fulvic and humic acid realm of binders, but the, you know, that's, that's too large of a group, but that's some of the science. Yeah. There's, um, and we can definitely dive into the science at another time, but uh, there's a number of companies, not just Cellcore that are looking at these, um, these binders to get things like glyphosate out of the body. But I think, you know, key conclusion for people is there's more environmental toxins now than there were for our grandparents. And therefore we probably need to do more now. Um, Exactly. And And I talk about this a lot because, you know, people don't understand like, um, you know, if it's uh, people who are in like fifties and sixties, they're like, I just don't understand why, you know, even for me, like why you have so many food sensitivities, why X, Y, Z is really hard for you. Like why you're sensitive to perfume. You know what I mean? Like we didn't have any of that, but at the same time, these things are catching up with them because at the same time, you know, like one in two men get cancer, one in three women get cancer. And mostly all of these, um, I mean, there's a huge environmental toxin component to a lot of these different types of cancer. Mm-hmm. And I think also the, the invention of when they started eating TV dinners and having all this prepackaged food that, and that's what, you know, our parents ate and that was not normal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Our grandparents didn't. Mm-hmm. They, but our parents grew up actually eating this stuff, and it, you know, it's it's like junk in a box. It's not even food. Yeah, it's. Um, I always talk to people and say, like, if you can go back to what your great great grandparents used to eat, you're probably mm-hmm. on the right path. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a fascinating subject. Look, we can go down so many different oh, yeah. wormholes here. Um, and I think just a couple of takeaways before I transition into the final questions, because a couple of the themes that you see around toxins and mm-hmm. controversy, not controversy, I can't even say that word right now, mm-hmm. um, but a couple of uh, just areas where people can use a little clarity are around yeah. the idea of air and then water. What are sort of your top or favorite sort of air filters? And then we're going to do the same thing for water as well. Oh, sure. So for air filters, um, I mean, there's, let's see. I mean, I think people are loving Molecule. I've heard yeah. a lot of good things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there's, I think, Air Doctor, yeah. Air IQ, and then Rabbit Air. Those are some of the top ones. Yeah, I think. Um, I, I know there's some, there's always new ones coming out, I think, and. Um, those are the, oh, there's another, there's another one I think that I just can't remember the name of. Um, and they're popping up on Kickstarter now. And it's just like, I I actually purchased one off of Kickstarter, which is pretty cool. Uh, I'll reveal the name later, but, uh, yeah, Austin air, air, IQ air, molecule, all of those guys, uh, you know, they seem to be doing good things for the world and it's more advanced than the HEPA filter, which is probably a whole episode to go into in itself. Um, Water. Water, yes. So, um, shoot, there's a new one that's um, like a tabletop one that I know people really like. Is this the um, Berkey? Because I have one right right here. So I, I know people love Berkey. So yeah. that's the other one that, I, that is very popular mm-hmm. um, and I think works really well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, shoot, I'll have to look up the name because this is a pretty new one, but it's a really great one as well that can go under, under the counter, yeah. too. Is this like the um, Pristine or something like that? There, there's a pristine, which is reverse osmosis, but it has the remineralization. Um, right. Which is, by the way, I, my understanding of reverse osmosis, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Ashley, it just kills everything in the water, right? And so we want right. to get yeah, those. Yeah, then you need to put things back. Okay, cool. Yeah, I can't remember this one. Um, I, I literally just wrote it down it's last a, night. It's okay. I put you on the spot. <laughs> I put you on the spot. Um Look, this is a fascinating conversation. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. You were saying? 
I would say, and then, you know, there's this whole new thing of all the hydrogen water. Yeah. And yeah. there's a, there's a lot going on in that space. Some of which is not right. exactly truthful. Um, I'm and sure. we can, yeah. we can go down that wormhole at another time. Uh, wow. This conversation has gone so fast and I actually, <laughs> I really want to pick your brain more about Dantian's and things. Uh, sure. but in the interest of time, I'm going to transition into a little bit of a concluding rapid fire uh, questions. And I'm going to go ahead and say, we're going to have you back on for round two, because we need to, we need to suss out some more Dantian healing here. Uh, I always love talking about the spiritual and emotional side of stuff. Yeah. And I'm getting more comfortable talking about it. So (laughs) let's, um, let's talk uh, first Question, where's your favorite place to go on vacation? Any sort of tropical beach. Any tropical, do you have a favorite beach? Um, You know, I loved Thailand because it was so, well, I went, though it was about 20 years ago, but that's probably a good time to go. Yeah. I, is it overrun now with tourists? No, it's not that that bad. I tried to pick the, you know, like the more remote small islands that people don't go to. That, that's my, that's always my favorite type of thing. Oh, you and I, I, love, you and I are going to have a conversation after this. <laughs> and, um, I love Kauai. Kauai is always a lovely mm-hmm. uh, place. And then, um, yeah, I mean, Mexico Tulum is beautiful. Mm-hmm. So let's go from nature to technology. Now, what's your favorite okay. piece of technology that you've purchased in the past year? Oh, totally. Hands down my Garmin watch. Which one? Um, let's see. I just have the basic it's sort of like girly looking. Um, uh, it's the, v- I think Vivo active HR. So I obsess with, you know, tracking HRV, yeah. of course. And so I actually bought this when we were together. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it was a conference. Yeah, that's and right. I was just like, I got to get this thing. And I bought it and I love it. And I actually have one, got one for my mom and even my, my daughter has a mini version so we can track her HRV. Too. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. I have way too many devices that track my HRV oh, among them, <laughs> among them, a Garmin. So, um, yeah. awesome. So next question for you is, uh, what is your, what book has significantly impacted your life and how you show up to perform in it? Um, let's see. So probably one of my favorite books, most recently or kind of Joe Dispenza's book. So break the habit of being yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that one. What's the best thing you've done for enhancing your productivity? I would say chunking time. So like doing email at a certain time, doing social media at a certain time, working with patients, um, not yeah. Chunking time and mm-hmm. putting and using Asana. I'm now obsessed with with um, the project you know, management it. software? Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> because I then because I can schedule dates and times and then put things like not so I just don't have like 150 things on my to-do list yeah. written down that I keep recycling and not getting accomplished. Yeah, I've um I go back and forth between that and Trello and Oh yeah. It just depends on who you're working with really. Um yeah. how do you unwind? Uh spend time with my daughter and go to the beach. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I think that is it for our rapid fire questions. Dr. Ashley, cool. where can people find out more about you? Sure. Um, on my website, it's just www.drashley.com. Ashley is A-S-H-L-E-Y. You, sec- so, you secured mind- that a while ago because that's a pretty good domain to have. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I say I'm on Instagram as Dr. Ashley Beckman, Facebook, Dr. Ashley Beckman. Awesome. And we'll link to all this in the show notes at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Dr. Ashley. If you guys enjoyed this show, share it with a friend. Encourage Dr. Ashley to come on for a round two. I want her back and she wants to hear from you as well. And be sure to go over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. Dr. Ashley, thank you. This has been an absolute blast. Oh, thank you so much. I was fun to hang out and chat with you about the things we love. Yep. And I'm going to be in California soon. I'll talk to you about that very shortly. Uh, So we'll catch up there in person, probably for another Erewhon market chat. Definitely. We can eat our favorite snacks. Absolutely. (laughs) To all the superhumans listening, have an absolutely epic day. 
All right, superhumans. Do you want Dr. Ashley for a round two? If so, head on over to the gram, the Facebook, the Twitters, whatever is your most favorite social media network of the moment, preferably LinkedIn. uh, And, you know, say hello, but also tell me what you thought about the episode. Let me know what you think about Dr. Ashley's uh, episode in general. And I would love to have her back on for round two. That choice is really yours. The show notes for this one, again, are at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Dr. Ashley. That's D-R-A-S-H-L-E-Y. And please head on over to iTunes if you enjoyed the episode. Leave us a five-star rating with a great comment. And I'll give you a shout out on the next show or maybe a future show. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. And remember, choose health.